This is the Relevant Life Church podcast, where we are about connecting with God, relating to people, and reaching our world. Tune in as our church goes through this week's teaching in God's Word. Amen, amen. God bless you. Welcome to Relevant Life Church. It's good to see, it's good to see faces out there. Do you love one another? Do you love Jesus? Well, I should say, do you love Jesus? And then, then do you love one another? You can't love one another without having Jesus in your life, right? How, how many have had that, that challenge uh, that as you've walked through life that you realize that you, the love you have is, is, is flaky compared to the love that God gives you, right? Amen. Um, let me get my technology all together here. If you can give me just a moment. There we go. Praise the Lord. I, lo- I love the opportunity that we get to gather together with communion over the Lord's table and do it regularly. I just want to remind you that, uh, um, that uh, what do I want to remind you of? Here we are. There we are. Let my notes. Uh, Convoy of Hope. If you want to go to the Convoy of Hope slide right there, we want to give you one more opportunity with the Convoy of Hope, Israel, uh, the, the need that is there, as you know that the, there is a war that's taking place in the Middle East. And uh, Convoy of Hope is on the ground at this very moment, bringing food and water and all those things. And if you want to bless the, Israel, the Israelite community that way, if you want to give to this, every penny that comes in goes directly to them. Today is a really special day. I want to shout out, she's not in the room today, but she will watch online. Today is my mom's 89th birthday, right? Would everyone say happy birthday, Doris? She's going to text me this afternoon and say, oh, Kevin, why did you do that? Of all things, why did you tell my age? And I think we need a glory in her age because she looks amazing for being 89 years old. Uh, Today is also another really special day. Uh, I get the privilege of introducing for the first time in church my great nephew, and today is true at Joshua Blakesley is in the house, and uh, would you give a round of applause to Jesse? And Josh, uh, I, wasn't, I wasn't planning on doing that, but I think it so aligns to our sermon series as we step into prayer, prayer, the topic of prayer today. Uh, if you only knew the details of the miracles that have happened as a result of this little boy, uh, someday those things will be able to come out and you'll be able to, you'll be able to hear them more as well. But I, I love this fact uh, that God answers prayer. This is an evidence of prayer being answered. How many have ever seen a miracle in your life? I'm getting ahead of myself, but you've seen a miracle. We're, we're talking about prayer here. I want to give you above and beyond totals, which is a miracle as you uh, look at this. Let's look at here. Uh, our next is, our goal was $35,000. At this point, we currently have $42,000 pledged, right? Isn't that amazing? Uh, $16,000 has already come in. If you haven't given, haven't pledged, uh, the ways to do so is there. Uh, you're saying, well, Pastor Kevin, you talked to us that our pledges were, are, are passed and, and done. Uh, I, I just am going to continue to say I would love 100% participation. I would love to see everybody do something. Everyone say, everybody do something. Everybody do something. Everybody, everybody participate in this. And I just want to say <clears throat> thank you so much for your generosity. Thank you for your generosity. If you're new with us at Relevant Life Church, would you fill out a, a guest card that we can get better acquainted with you? I would love to do, love that. You can do it uh, uh, electronically as well as paper copy in the back of your chair. Today we start a brand new series called Direct Messaging. Direct Messaging. I've been hearing from the different generations, some that understand what DM is and some that do not. Uh, the overarching concept is prayer, and we're going to be looking at that as we uh, uh, just delve into the sermon series and, and today particularly. Can I tell you, I am so excited about this series. Uh, I can tell you that, how many have ever felt a little bit of condemnation when, we, when you talk about the idea of prayer? When you, when, you, when you step into it to go, no, I'm not a good enough prayer. I'm excited about this series. And I, 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 uh, at the beginning of the year, God laid it on our heart, laid it on my heart as we began to step into it. Holy Spirit doing what he does. And I felt like the challenge for 2023 was, Kevin, get back to basics. Get back to basics. And if you look at what we started off the year with was love where you live. And that was the mission of Jesus. Get back to basics. Let's get back to what the foundation of Christianity is about. We stepped into the next next uh, uh, series, which was Bible 101, that we've got as believers have to build our lives upon the Word of God. Uh, then we stepped into the, the This Is Us series, where we talked about biblical characteristics of who we are to be that shape us and what it needs to look like. 
Then we just got done with our series above and beyond because God's a generous God and we've all experienced his generosity in our life, whether it's through blessings or his grace and his mercy, amen? We know that we need to also live there. And so um, now we're stepping into this direct messaging, the concept that us as humans have this ability to touch heaven and to change earth. This ability that we have this dynamic connection to touch God and God does something to change this, this planet that, we're, that we live on. I'm, I'm excited about it. I can tell you that every sermon series has been foundational to our faith and every sermon series has been done with intentionality. It's been done on purpose. You may not have seen the, the onslaught or the, the plan out as we've done, but we've done it with purposefulness and we realize that we've got to get back to some of these basics. I would say this, if you are a praying individual and maybe if you're not, hopefully as a result of this, maybe you will pray more. That's our goal. But would you be praying for 2024? We're already in the process of preparing 2024 series. I'm excited about the first five weeks of the year. God's already laid on my heart what we're gonna, where we're gonna go. But our job as pastors is this. Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter four, he says, the job of the pastors, teachers, prophets, evangelists, apostles, there we are, I'm trying to come up with the five that were there, is to equip the saints. The saints is you to what? To do the works of the ministry. So our job, as we begin to plan out a series, as we begin to plan out a year, we're saying, God, give us the ability to equip those that are going to hear the word of God. It's your word that, that, that transforms them, but God, give us the words to be able to challenge them. So today, as we talk about direct messaging, why direct messaging? Let me, let me define a little bit of it for you. According to socialpilot.com, you're going to like, I, I just want to give you my, my foundation today. Uh, a DM is a private mode of communication between social media users. When you send, send a direct message, only you and the recipient can see the content. Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter all have their own direct messaging platforms. There's a long history behind how we have messaged people. In 1775, people started using, 1775, here I want you to hear this, people started using U.S. Postal Services to send messages, which we would call snail mail. The, uh, what we now know as the USPS. In 1844, Morse code was first used to send a long-distance direct message. In the late 1980s, the wide use of email became an active for source of communication, hitting the general population in 1993. Remember when you first sent your first email? And some of you in, in the younger generation are going, yeah, when I was five, and we're like going, when, when I was 35. Um, we're not going to go there right now, right? Okay. And eventually, with the introduction of cell phones, the application of texting came into play in 1992. Now, there are people in this room that they've known, they've known text messaging all their life, and there are people that are in this room that found text message in the middle of their life, towards the end of their life. But messaging became something that was at our fingertips. Without, with advancing technology, the internet went, uh, went public in 1993. The concept of internet messaging took a leap after 1998 with the introduction of Yahoo, Yahoo, however you want to pronounce it, Yahoo, right, whatever, MSN and Google. My, uh, my ranch days are coming out. <laughs> I'm from Montana. The direct message feature was launched by Twitter in 2006, Facebook in 2008, and Instagram in 2010. We think about this concept of direct messaging. There's a history of technology, a history of communication. So just a glossary of terms, so some of you that may not know what these are, uh, SMS means short message service, which means that's our text message in today. It's what we have in the 1980s most widely was used and is most widely used to this date. MMS, which is Multimedia Message Service, which is interchangeable with SMS, except multimedia means that you have a picture or an attachment connected to it. How many are learning something here? If you, you know, the older generation, like going, ah, oh, that's what that is. DMS is Direct Message Service, which is basically what we see on a social media platform. 
IMS, which is instant message service, is generally used in chat rooms or in a client-server-based communication. How many ever purchased something online and it says if you need a help desk, you can have immediate conversation? And that's, that's IMS. That's what's taking place. All of these are all sources of direct messaging. They're all sources of how we can connect with someone else and relate to someone else and communicate to someone else. The question that I would ask you this morning, though, if we step back to this concept of direct messaging or text messaging, whichever it is that you want to put over as an overarching of this concept, if God were a contact in your phone, how often would you be messaging him? If God were this contact in your phone and there was a text message string that's going on, how often would that be dinging? How, how often would you be, be, be talking to him? How often would you be receiving a message from him? This concept of direct messaging is so vital and so important. Today, the title of my message is, Have You Prayed Today? Everyone say it with me. Have you prayed today? Have you prayed today? How many have ever thought, I pray too much? How many have ever actually uh, thought, I, I need to pray more? Some of, some of you, how many, how many just go, I don't pray? Okay. How many have ever felt intimidated by prayer? I think today what stops us from praying is these excuses. I took a poll of my staff as well as others. Excuses that came in, what stops us from praying is I'm too busy. I'm intimidated by how to pray. I feel shame and guilt and it prevents me from praying. I've overcomplicated prayer. Am I doing it right? Pride. I don't need to pray. I can do it on my own. Unbelief. We question whether God really will answer this horrible thing called comparison. Someone else prays better than me, so I don't want to pray. When I feel angry, frustrated, and unforgiving, I don't want to pray. When I blame God for my circumstances, I don't want to pray. I've discovered that I find more comfort in talking to friends and receive more sympathy and support than I do when I pray. Being too self-focused or situation-focused stops me from praying. God didn't answer the way that I wanted him to in the past, so I don't know if if prayer really works. I'm easily distracted. Life is too fast and it's too difficult to slow down. And the last one this morning that I want to read to you is not having the right view of what prayer does or is for. Not having the right view of what prayer does or what prayer is for. And I think whether we understand it or not, probably that statement right there is overarching to all of these other statements. That we just don't understand prayer. We, we may have encountered it to some degree. We may have understood it slightly but we just don't understand it. We don't have a right view of it. And so today my goal, my, my, my objective is to help us understand it a little bit more. Probably a theme for this series would be this statement. Don't let prayer be your last resort. Make it your first response. Don't let prayer be your last, uh, uh, your last resort. Make it your first response. Now, I didn't originate this statement, and I looked online to go, who said it? And there's a lot of people that have said it, so uh, I, I can just put my name on it if you want, because everyone else has put their name on it as well. You can put your name on it if you like, but I wanted, I guess this is the challenge this morning that I really want you to, to adopt and to begin to think about over the next five weeks. Is my prayer life a last resort type of thing, or is it my first response whenever anything happens? Whether it's good or whether it's bad, whether it's in between, is it my first response? Is it the thing that I'm driven to? If I were to give a goal to this sermon series, it's not that all of you are going to end up praying three hours a day, even though that would be fantastic. The win of this series is as simple as this, that you would think about prayer more. The win of this series is that you might pray a little bit more than you're praying today. The win of this series is that you would have a concept about prayer, that it is this tapping into the presence of God like no other tool can, something that God has given us. Prayer is this word that is thrown around often saying, I will pray for you. How many ever said that? I will pray for you. Maybe it's a statement of just pray about it. How many ever said that? Just pray about it. 
There's also this concept that I've done everything else. I guess all I have left to do is pray since nothing else is working. But do we really understand what prayer is? Do we really grasp that prayer is actually talking to God? Not just talking to the air or talking to self or talking to another person. Prayer has become a Christianese concept and has been rendered powerless because we don't honor it for what it really is. My challenge to this series, my challenge personally is going, God, do I value prayer like I really should value prayer? Please, I don't want you to hear this message series, this message today or even this series in any form of condemnation or shame because I can tell you, I can put myself into every one of those excuses. I can put myself into the whole concept of going, God, I'm not good enough. And God's going, you don't have to be good enough. When we pray, we truly wield heavenly power. When we pray, we have God's undivided attention. attention. That whole concept that when we step back and we say, dear God or God, are you there? Hey, hey you, whatever it is that you want to address him, can I tell you that you immediately have his full attention? You go, well, how, does, how do I have God's attention and someone else have God's attention? Because God is God. God is able to hear all things. The goal is to challenge us to be people who pray, to inspire us to begin praying. Maybe you've not not been a person that prays. Maybe to inspire you to intercede more, to inspire you to hear the voice of God. Our desire is to inspire us that we would that we would realize that God wants to act upon our asking. Can I tell you that God wants to be asked? God wants to hear your voice. God wants you to pray. Why? Because your asking empowers him to act. Your asking frees him to act. Leonard Ravenhill said this, no man or woman is greater than his or her prayer life. Again, no condemnation, but I want you to step back and I want you to evaluate your prayer life this morning. Evaluate you not comparing to somebody else. Compare yourself to yourself. Evaluate your prayer life. If, God's, if prayer was about a text message, what would your text message string look like? No man or woman is greater than his or her prayer life. The pastor who is not praying is playing. The people who are not praying are strained. We, may, uh, we have many organizers, but few agonizers. Many players and payers, but few prayers. Many singers, few, few clingers. Lots of pastors, few wrestlers. Many fears... Many fears and few tears, much fashion, little passion. Many interferers, few intercessors. Many writers, but few fighters. And I love this last statement. Failing here, we fail everywhere. If you were to step back and evaluate your life and the state of circumstances in your life, the state of peace that you are encountering, the state of, of, uh, I don't want to even say blessing because I don't want that to be misconstrued, but the state of just a sense of, of wholeness and purpose... Can I tell you that that's identified and correlated with our prayer life, with this intimacy with God, God pour, it doesn't, it doesn't mean that everything is going great. It doesn't mean that every prayer you pray is answered. How many have discovered that if every single one of your prayers were answered, you would be in a world of hurt, right? These prayers that we pray that we don't even realize what's happening and what we're thinking about and we're praying these prayers and we, we're seen with our minute understanding and God's going, I ain't going to answer that prayer. You don't really want the answer to that prayer. This morning, I have brought something that some of you may recognize and some of you may not. An archaic piece of equipment. It was discovered in an archaeological dig. Some of you that do not know what this is, this is a VHS player, a VCR player. VHS, it was built in 1976, a video, video home system, VHS video home system. VCR is the one that could actually record a video cassette recorder. Uh, can I tell you, back in the day, these were so cool. These were just like cutting edge. How many remember the day that you got your first VCR VHS player in your home? I mean, you would have thought, wow, at my fingertips, I can watch a movie. And all the younger generations like going, Kevin, you are ridiculous. What are you talking about? All I have to do is swipe my finger now. 
Back in the day, this technology was cutting edge. Back in the day, do you remember? You needed a master's degree to be able to set the timer on this thing. <laughs> remember that? Remember the whole concept of trying to record a series or a TV program of like going, oh, I hope it takes. And then you come home and you're like going, oh, I didn't even get it. I'm so mad. I remember back in the early 2000s, actually 2000s, back in the day when Survivor first came out and I became a Survivor addict. And it's like Survivor was every Wednesday night. Back in that day, Wednesday nights were holy nights and we went to church. And church lasted the whole entire time of Survivor. So the only way that I could watch it, because they, you couldn't go back and figure it out, and you, couldn't, you weren't part of all these other things, it was live and that was it. Or you had to wait until the end of the season for you to, to buy the series on VHS. <laughs> I remember having to go to the video store to pick out a movie. Remember renting a movie? Remember blockbusters and Hollywood video? And they only had so many videos on hand? Gen younger generation, you're feeling our pain this morning, are you not? So many videos on hand and it's like, you'd go there and if it was a new release, you wanted to get there early in the morning because that's when the videos got returned and you'd go up to the counter and go, hey, is that movie been returned yet? Some of you, some of you feel my pain. Remember, and even the whole concept of the VHS rewinders? Because you didn't want to ruin your, your VHS player, so you put it in the little rewinder so you could put in the next movie, and it was rewinding over here, making the squeaky noise the whole time. <laughs> Today, when we think about the VHS player, it is obsolete. You go to any store, you're not going to find one. I shouldn't say any store, but most stores, you're not going to find one. You can find them on Amazon. If you're like missing the day, go to Amazon and get one. This, I didn't buy this. No, this, we, this was an archaeological dig. Uh, we went searching through the church going, I know there's a VCR player somewhere in this building. Today, we have movies at our fingertips. We watch stuff from last week without even recording it. We can sit down on a Saturday and we can binge watch a series of shows because of the technology that we have today. VHS players have been replaced and are just now a memory. We live in a world of technological advancement, an era of rapid change. In 1780 to 1840, it was known as the Industrial Revolution. In 1870 to 1920, it was known as the Technical Revolution. In 1870 to 1920, it's known as the Scientific Technical Revolution. In, in 1940 to 19, uh, or that was 19, excuse me, I got the dates messed up there, but today, it's 1975 to 2021, is known as the Digital Revolution. Today, we're living in this advancement of, 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 of ideas and, and, and technology that is there. As a culture, whether we realize it or not, we're continually anticipating the next thing. We're anticipating what's the next piece of technology that's going to come out. And my concern is this, with our cultural desire for the next thing, the latest and greatest, as well as our cultural obsession of, dispass, uh, of discarding the past and the old, have we done the same thing with the idea of prayer? This thing that has been around from the beginning of ages... We see from the very beginning this heart of communion that God had with Adam and Eve. We see this, this desire that Abraham had in his encounter with God. We may be able to come back and say that prayer has actually enhanced our lives because now we have an app for it. Well, more than anything, I believe, as much as my life has been blessed with technology, my life has been distracted by technology. And today, this is not an anti-technology sermon. This is just the reality that we can get so consumed with things and even tools that can enhance, but they can end up becoming a distraction. In a culture that has the answers at our fingertips, in the culture that has medicines at a call, doctors, food, orders, money, shelter, I ask you, do we even have need a prayer in our lives? Have we replaced the idea of prayer with just going out and charging it? 
going out and going to a doctor for an answer. Now, I'm not knocking all those things, but can I tell you in a different culture, in other cultures that aren't as blessed as our cultures, prayer still is working and prayer still is being answered. But in America today, we have everything at our fingertips. My concern in a culture today is that just as technology is advancing, has it advanced so far that we don't value prayer like we should? Just like this VCR is obsolete, is prayer obsolete in your life? Can I tell you, as I've gotten older, and I'm getting older in just a little few more days here, but I began to think about, do my, will my grandchildren even understand what prayer is besides praying at the dinner table and praying before you go to bed? Not just my grandchildren, but my great-grandchildren to come. Will the generations know and understand what prayer is? Is prayer still important? The reality is this, overarching. This God that you and I serve, this God that you and I have, have, have loved and lived for, he's never needed technology to connect with us. And the reality is all the blessing of technology that we have has actually been given by him to individuals that have designed it. But today, God doesn't need technology to talk to us. We don't have to text and wait for a response. In our communication with God, it can be a thought, it can be a whisper, it can be a cry. And the concept of prayer is something that is so needed today. Paul said in Colossians chapter 4, verse 2, he said, devote yourselves to prayer. Everyone say devote. Devote yourselves to prayer. It's a word that we don't necessarily use too much in our current culture. But as I give you this definition this morning, I ask, what have you devoted your life to? The definition of devotion is this, being loyal to, given over to practice, study, and discussion with intense effort, focused exclusively on. Can I tell you today that as I look around our culture, I'm not saying you, it's everyone outside of us. I see a great devotion to this thing that we're very loyal to this device. We're very loyal, we're, we practice, we study, we discuss, with intense effort we spend time on it. We focus exclusively on it. Again, as I'm saying today, this is not an anti-electronics anti sermon, but today I tell you today that electronics is a distraction from this thing called prayer of intimacy with God. We've misconstrued relationships through this concept of texting, of being constantly there rather than having a face-to-face -face conversation, we're satisfied with just a text message. So what we've done with God, we've relegated him to this concept that's so far from us. Devote yourselves to prayer. Corey Tenboom asked this question. She said, is your prayer life, is your prayer a steering wheel or a spare tire? A spare tire is something that is used for emergency. When's the last time that you actually thought about your spare tire? Now, not the spare tire around your gut here. The spare tire that's in the back of your vehicle or wherever it is in your car. Do you even know you have a spare tire? Can I tell you, we don't think about our spare tire until we have an emergency. We don't think about a spare tire until our tire is flat. And today in our culture, I, I'm going to shoot straight with you. I don't always think about a spare tire because I got the air in a can. It's less complicated than changing a spare tire. I'm lazy. This idea of a spare tire, but the steering wheel, how many are 10 and 2 drivers? How many are 9 and 3 drivers? How many are the 6 o'clock driver? <laughs> how many are the no hands and knee driver? <laughs> right? We have all the drivers out there. The steering wheel that... You know, I don't know if you think about it, but the power of a steering wheel, the power of a steering wheel, average vehicle is 3,000 3, pounds to 6,000 pounds, and a steering wheel directs that power. Is your prayer life a steering wheel, or is it the spare tire? Is it something that you go to every single day of your life to go, God, I may have the answers to this, but God, you have a better answer. 
statistics reveal to us about prayer here. Let's real quick, I want to run through these real quick. I'm going a little bit over time here. Uh, go, to the, go to the, there we go. Frequency of prayer, 55%. These are taken in 2014. 55% of, of Americans or those taken in this poll uh, use prayer at least daily. Let's go to the next slide. Uh, this one is the frequency of prayer, feeling spiritually, spiritual peace. Look at the top up here, at least daily they pray. Look at the amount of peace that they have. How many have noticed that there's peace in your life when you pray? Uh, the next one over here is AIDS distribution. No, keep going right there. AIDS distribution of frequency of prayer. We can see that uh, 18 to 29 pray less than, uh, less than the middle section. And I, I kind of, I have a philosophy about this. I think that 18 to 29, life is good and everything's great and we're experiencing life. And then we become, uh, then we get into the, the 30 to 40s and we have kids and 50s and 60s and we have life and careers. And it's like, we pray more. We need prayer more, right? Let's go to the next one. Next one over here is educational distribution of, by frequency of prayer. Those that are high school graduates are 47%. They need God more. They're trying to, they're trying to su survive public education. <laughs> Just kidding. But can I tell you what, uh, what's alarming to me? The more educated you are, the less you pray. The more educated you are, we become to this place of going, I got this, I can figure it out, I'm smarter. This next one over here, marital status and frequency of prayer. Married, look at how much they pray. And a lot of times you're probably praying for your spouse going, God, change them. God, how do I survive? Let's go to the next slide. Parents of children. Parents. How many just realized to survive parenthood, you've got to pray. For your kids to survive, you've got to pray. Over here, income distribution. What I realize is the less income you have, as you look at this, the less income you have, the more you pray. The more income you have, the less you pray. Can I think about, as I begin to think about these statistics, how often is that prayer is driven by our need? Prayer is driven by, by the encounter of what our life is all about, rather than prayer being driven by relationship with God. Prayer needs to be driven by relationship. Today, I want to answer four questions. I'm going to try to do it rather quickly. Number one, what is prayer? Webster says that prayer is a solemn request for help or an expression of thanks addressed to God or an object of worship. A request for help, an expression of thanks. I want to just give you a simple little line here that's my line. Prayer is simply having a conversation with God. Prayer is simply having a conversation with God. Everyone say conversation. I don't know when's the last time you had a real conversation. Conversation is not just listening and conversation is not just talking. Conversation is exchange. And this whole concept of prayer is a simple conversation, simply exchanging what we're feeling, what we're understanding, where we're at, communicating our emotions to God, communicating our, our fears to God, communicating our sorrows to God, communicating our joys to God. 1 John chapter 5, 14 says this, and this is the confidence that we have. Everyone say confidence. Do you, have prayer? Do you have confidence in your prayer life? Do you have confidence in the concept that God does hear you? And it goes on and says that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Sometimes we come and we pray and are we really anticipating that God hears us? Prayer can be audible. Prayer can be silent. Prayer is private. Prayer is public. Prayer is formal. Prayer is informal. But all prayer, as we see in James chapter 1 verse 6, must be offered in faith. All prayer must be offered in the name of Jesus, John 16, 23. And all prayer is a power of the Holy Spirit, Romans 8, 26. These are things that we think about when we think about prayer. Prayer is described in the Bible as seeking God's favor, pouring out your soul to the Lord, crying out to heaven, drawing near to God, kneeling before the Father. Can I tell you there are almost 700 verses in the Bible, Old and New Testament, about prayer. Prayer is a Christian's way of communicating with God. We pray to praise God. We pray to thank God. We pray to tell God how much we love him. We pray to enjoy God's presence. And we tell him what is going on in our lives. We pray to make requests and to seek God guidance and to ask for wisdom. But too often, we lose sight of how simple prayer is. Why? Because prayer is not easy. But the concept is very, very simple. Protestant reformer Martin Luther said this, 
Prayer is not overcoming God's reluctance, but laying hold of God's willingness. What I want you to understand this morning when I define what is prayer is that you're coming because God's willing to answer your prayer. That's what prayer is. What is prayer? Prayer is coming and saying, laying hold of God's willingness to act in your life. God's willingness to do what you're asking. God's willingness to step in. Can I tell you that God wants to answer your prayers? How many believe that today? God wants to answer your prayers. God desires for you to trust him. Which leads me to why we should pray. Number two, why should I pray? We pray to know God. To align our hearts with God. To receive his guidance in our lives. 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 13 through 14, it says, If my people who are called by my name will come and align themselves, humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear, their land, heal their, hear, hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. Why do we pray? To align ourselves with God. Why do we pray? Because we can't do it on our own. Why do we pray? Because we've got to come and Humble ourselves before him. Why do we pray? Because how many need God to hear you? How many need God to forgive you? How many need God to heal something in your life? Just real quickly, why do we pray? I want to give you a few things here. Number one, God calls us to pray. God desires for us to talk to him regularly, continually, persistently. Persistently, excuse me. Jesus prioritized prayer. Jesus was intentional and disciplined in his prayer life. God answers when we pray. God doesn't just answer any prayer. God, God does, I put it here. God doesn't answer any, any prayer. We don't, we don't pray. So often we go through life going, well, God, why, why didn't you? He's going, you didn't pray. You didn't ask. Prayer us, strengthens us against temptation. Jesus said, watch and pray that you would not fall into temptation. God uses our prayers to accomplish his will, touching heaven to change earth. Prayer is powerful and it's effective, the great and powerful working of a, of, 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 of a praying individual. Can I tell you what prayer does for me, though, more than all of these? Is prayer keeps me focused on God. Prayer keeps me focused on Him. When I get self-absorbed and when I get uh, circumstantial absorbed, when I get content in life, when I get all these things, I pray less. And what I have to do is I have to force myself to pray. Why? To be focused on him. Because I'm not my own God, even though I sometimes think I am. The next one, when should I pray? When should I pray? We pray anytime we want or need to talk with God. We pray anytime we want or need to talk with God. Joyce Meyer said this, prayer should be our first response to every situation. Our overarching theme is don't let prayer be your last resort. Make prayer your first response. Don't let it be the last thing that you do. May it be the first thing you do. I, don't, I, I didn't write down who said this one, but I didn't originally. It says, it says pray hardest when, it's, when it is hardest to pray. How many have found life where you're just going, I know I should pray and I don't want to pray? Anybody? I know I should pray about this, but I don't want to pray. I really don't want God's answer in this. I know that my way is sinful right now and I don't want to be corrected. Anybody? Come on, anybody out there? I know God's going to ask me to forgive and I don't want to forgive. I know God's going to ask me to walk in, in, in love and I don't want to walk in love right now. Anybody out there? Come on. So it prevents us. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17 says this, pray without ceasing. The message says, pray all the time. When do we pray? Can I tell you, we pray for everything. We pray for everything. God wants us to talk to him about everything. When do we pray? We pray when we are thankful. We pray when we are in need. We pray when, we're, when others have needs. We pray when we are, we are distressed, sad, overwhelmed, confused, happy, excited, need wisdom. We pray for, any, for anything and everything. We talk about this concept of direct messaging. God is as close as a whisper. He's as close as a thought going, God, I need you today. Can I tell you that uh, even though our culture is not really a thankful culture, can I tell you that I think that we are more thankful to individuals than we are to him? 
As you drive through a, as you drive through a, a fast food or a Starbucks or Dutch Bros, what's your general response when they hand you your drink? What's your general response when you have breath in the morning? What's your general response when you wake up and you have a comfortable bed and a nice pillow? What's, the, what's your response when you get a jump into a hot shower? What's your response because you have a toilet in your house, not a squatty potty? Those that haven't traveled don't understand what I'm talking about, but having a throne to sit on versus squatting over a hole is so different. Can I tell you that oftentimes we go through life ungrateful, taking for granted rather than just saying, God, I'm thankful for this. We're good at expressing our needs. Lastly, how should I pray? How should I pray? We pray knowing who we are speaking to. Knowing who we are speaking to. Understanding the God that we serve. God's word tells us to come with a certain attitude, and that attitude is faith. That attitude is expectation. That attitude is filled with boldness and with confidence. Can I tell you that you cannot approach a God that you do not know with faith? You cannot approach a God that you do not know with confidence and without, with boldness. Oftentimes, the frailty of my thinking, the frailty of who I am is that I can walk in self-condemnation. God, I'm not good enough, and therefore, God, I, I don't have a right to enter your presence. Sitting here this morning as we're, we're going through worship, I'm having to come back and go, God, I don't serve you because I need forgiveness. I serve you because you've already forgiven me. Can I tell you that oftentimes we approach going, God, I've got to work off this sin in my life, and God's going... My son hung on a cross to work off the sin in your life. We approach him knowing who he is. Oswald Chambers says this, we have to pray with our eyes on God, not on the difficulties. I want to ask you today, when you're in the middle of your prayer or in the middle of your situation, is your situation so big that God is so small? It has to come to a perspective change that our situation is so small and our God is so big. It may be so big in our lives right now, but my God is bigger. Everyone say, my God's bigger. My God's bigger. That's how we pray, going, God, you're bigger. God, I come with faith. God, I come with expectation. God, I come with confidence. As I said earlier, I've noticed that prayer is a simple concept, but it's not always easy. It's not that I don't want to pray. But can I tell you, I find it difficult sometimes to practice. Anybody ever find prayer difficult to practice? If I were to condemn you this morning, I have to condemn myself. Sometimes I struggle with having faith. Sometimes I struggle being the answer myself. Sometimes I struggle just with the simplicity of it. I've practiced prayer, I've read books on prayer, I've attended classes on prayer. But the reality has to come back to prayer is all about approaching God. It's all about approaching God. It's not about me and my circumstances, it's about having the guts and the boldness to come before God. That's prayer, it's talking to God, having a conversation with God. And what I've realized in my life, even in the process of preparing for this series over the last couple months, is that oftentimes I approach God based on who I am, not who he is. I come on the concept of going, God, this is who I am, and God, I'm unworthy, or God, I've done this, rather than going, God, this is who you are. Can I tell you, your prayer life is about you, but it's about who you're talking to. What has helped me in this process is that God, in my life, is that I like to follow a pattern for prayer. And Jesus actually gave us a pattern. Matthew chapter 6. He said, this is how. Everyone say how. how. 
This is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debts. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Can I tell you the very introduction of this, of this prayer is our Father where? Jesus, come and recognize who your Father is. Recognize who you're talking to. Align your thoughts back to the very concept that you're not just talking to the air. You're not talking to an idol. You're not talking to a piece of wood. You're talking to our Father who is in heaven. He comes back and he says, Hallowed, come to a place of praise, of adoration of who he is. Your kingdom come. There's a yielding to go, God, it's not about me. I yield to your will. Give us today. It's a, a place where we get to ask for. Forgive us. A place of confession. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us protection, safety, living a holy life. As we come back to this pattern of prayer, there is patterns that help us get to know God, but it's all based upon knowing who God is, approaching him with the knowledge of who he is. And I want to just give you some practical this morning real quickly. A couple patterns that I've used in my life Acts pattern, ACTS, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. The pray pattern, praise, repent, ask, yield. Right now, this is the current one that I'm obsessed with because I can tell you my biggest struggle is the why. The why, God, but the why. The yielding, the surrendering, the going, God, I trust you, God, I know you can answer prayer, but God, I yield to your answer. How many have ever prayed a prayer and God didn't answer it the way you wanted it answered? And therefore we get mad and we take our toys and go home and we don't pray anymore for a while. There's another graphic here that is navigators. Praise God is the thumb confessing of sins. Thank God, pray for others and pray for me. I think there's merit to having a pattern to bring direction because how do I pray? I can pray distracted. I can get so caught up with life that I can forget where I'm at. I also pray with a prayer list. I pray my way through scripture as I'm reading, going, God, something that convicts me, and I pray through the scripture. As I close this morning, Paul Miller said this, if you're not praying, then you're quietly confident that time, money, and talent are all that you need in your life. But if like Jesus, you realize you can't do life on your own, that no matter how busy, no matter how tired you are, you will find the time to pray. I just want to challenge you. I suck at praying. You may be going, Pastor Kevin, I suck at praying. Hey, let's suck together. Let's just pray more together, shall we? Let's just practice it a little bit more. Can I tell you, as we preach the Bible 101 series, we saw Bible engagement rise in our congregation. My desire over the next five weeks is that as we talk about prayer, that we're going to see prayer engagement rise. Desire to pray. Recognizing that, yes, it is a simple concept, but it is difficult sometimes to do. We want to give you tools and how to do it better. As I apply today, I want everyone to take out this electronic device that we all love. Everyone take out your electronic device. I, th I believe that every phone in this room has a calendar or an alarm app. I would love for you to go into whichever one's going to be best for you. I've done it in both of mine. I'm going to actually, let's actually go to the alarm app. Shall we do that? There's a way that you can set an alarm in your phone. In the Apple phone, you can actually label that alarm. My challenge to you is this. Application. I'm not wanting you to go pray for an hour this week, unless you already pray for an hour. Fantastic good on you. I actually want to get you to start someplace, but everybody, if you would today at this moment, would you go set an alarm in your, in your phone for noon, 12 o'clock PM every day, just hit every day. So go in and hit 12 PM, go down to where it says repeat and hit every day. Set it for a five minute time limit. My desire is this. I trust that most everybody in this room 
is going to be eating lunch approximately about the same time or taking a break about the same time. So I try to find it, I, rather than going, okay, everybody at 4 a.m. in the morning, set your phone. And you're like going, dear Lord Jesus. I'd be there because I'm already up, but I want everyone, one, to set this timer in your phone to go, God, I'm going to pray. I would love to challenge you to pick one of these patterns of prayer, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. Pray, praise, repent, ask, or yield. Or the hand one, and I forget what they are right now, but you can go onto the notes and look at them. But pick one and go, I'm going to pray for five minutes and I'm going to pray a minute on each one. God, I'm going to just come and I'm going to praise you today. God, I thank you for what you are. As the timer, as it passes, God, I want to repent today, God, of my sin and my attitudes. God, I, I need to repent of not being thankful for my job. I need to repent of not being thankful for my wife or my children or the circumstances. And then you have a minute to ask whatever it is that you want to ask. And the why comes back to, if you're going to use the, use the yield one or the pray one, God, I just yield to you. God, I trust you. God, I trust you. Can I tell you that God just, God wants us to ask, but part of asking of faith is trusting God with the answer. God wants us to ask big prayers. He wants us to expect great things, but he wants us to trust that his, his plan and his timing is perfect. I could use Jesse and Josh back there as an example. It's been a long journey. We've not understood why certain things have happened the way they've happened. But God in his good timing does what he does. It was never a no, it was a wait. It was God God goes going, I'm in the business of doing something. Trusting. Hebrews 4.16, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence. Confidence that we may receive mercy and find grace in our time of need. Heavenly Father, this morning as we address this concept of prayer, I wanted to actually utilize it in service more today. And God, I didn't get there, so God, forgive me. God, would you do a work over the next five weeks in our hearts and minds, not just to talk about prayer, but to practice prayer. Not just to hear about prayer, but to do it. Not just to come to church on Sunday for someone else to pray, but God, for us to actively step in and pray. God, would you bring a confidence and a boldness, God, that it's not based upon who we are, it's based upon who you are. God, today, baptize us with a holy desire for more prayer, to know you better, to know the God that we serve. And God, we thank you for today. God, I'm anticipating answers to prayer in the next five weeks. I'm anticipating heart change in the next five weeks. I'm anticipating growth in the next five weeks. We thank you for it today in Jesus' name. Amen. If you do need prayer today, would you allow one of our prayer team to come and pray with you? Uh, they are prayer warriors. They got it down. They pray 24 hours a day. Uh, no, they, they're human just like we are, but they're people that love to pray as well. Would you, do, would you let them pray with you this morning? God bless you. Look ahead and see everything that's happening. Be part of the series as we step into it, as we get week after week after week. God bless you. Here at Relevant Life Church, it's our mission to see people connect with God, relate to one another, and reach our world. This single statement drives everything we do as a church. Our hope is that today you were encouraged in this. Thank you for joining us and have a blessed day.